we're in a final part of a series, and I got to start with a question and to ask you something. Have you ever been so excited about something that you couldn't wait to share it with somebody? Yeah, I mean, we all have, right? Maybe you pass a big exam, college students, we got tests coming up, and you pass the exam, or you, you go to that restaurant and you can't wait to tell somebody about it. Maybe you eat Cold Stone ice cream for the first time, and you realize that God is real in that place. I mean, you know, you know what I'm saying? Maybe it's a, maybe you watch a movie, maybe you watch Titanic for the first time, and when you saw it, now every time you get in a boat and you run to the front and you're like, I'm the king of the world, and no one knows what you're doing, but you do, because it changed your life. And some of you are looking at me like, Titanic, if you haven't seen it, it's no big deal. The boat sinks, spoiler alert, don't worry about watching it. Um, maybe it's a relationship. Like some of you went, to, uh, you started dating somebody and you could not wait to tell others. You couldn't wait to change your social status from single and ready to mingle to, to taken and, and bring on the bacon. I don't know, I wanted something to rhyme there that really doesn't matter. But I'm just saying, you can't wait to tell somebody. You know, when Jody and I started dating, social media really wasn't a thing yet. But I'll guarantee you, when she landed me, I just have to believe that she was declaring it from the rooftops and telling people about it. But you know what? I don't know why you're laughing at that. That was not a joke. Um, so here's the deal. Um, it almost didn't happen, Jody and I. The relationship almost didn't go down. Like, I will never forget. I'll never forget the day I'm standing outside of her house. And all of a sudden, the cops show up. And I, and I thought to myself, seriously, Jody? If you're going to call the cops every time you spot me in the bushes, this isn't going to work. You know, that's what I thought. I'm like, I don't get it. So, but, yeah, I'm just kidding. That was a joke. Um, so, <laughs> okay. <laughs> you're so excited. You're, like, who here is excited for Christmas? Anybody? I am. I am. I see. I believe it is the most wonderful time of the year. And I don't think we're excited about it just because um, of the gifts, but we're excited about it because we understand the reason. But, but even before I get to that, I'll tell you, there's a time when I was so excited. Um, I was a kid, and I couldn't wait to, uh, well, I'll start with three words. Actually, it's four. Punt, pass, and kick. Punt, pass, and kick. I don't know if you're familiar, but there, it's, it's something that kids do, um, mainly, well, boys and girls, but it's a competition. See, I was eight years old, and I'd never won anything, ever. And I got registered in punt, pass, and kick. And I don't, I'll spell it out for you, it's pretty obvious, but you go there, grab a football, and you do three things. You, you, you punt it, and then they see how far you punt it. You pass it, and they measure how far you pass it. And you kick it, and they see how far you kick it. And I did all these three things, and I remember, because we didn't know who got what, and they, they add them all up, it takes time. And I remember being eight years old, never won anything. And I'm thinking to myself, is this the day? Like, like is this the day that I'm going to win? And they read the names of the, of the top three winners. And they're like, first place. You ready for this? First place. It wasn't me. It was John Stickney. So, friend of mine, but it wasn't me. Kind of crushing. Um, second place. You ready for this? It wasn't me. It was Terry Fetchel. Good friend of mine, but I hated him that day because he placed second. I didn't. Third place. You ready for this? Yeah, Monty Gannon. Third place. I got third place. And I was excited. I didn't care that I didn't get first. I didn't care that I didn't get second. I got third because third still got a trophy. 
And these trophies were the bomb. They weren't like the cheap plastic ones that, you know, were just flimsy. I mean, these were solid. You could hurt somebody with these. It was like a weapon. And I remember holding that trophy, and I'm thinking to myself, I can't wait to tell my friends. I can't wait to tell my dad when I get home. I can't wait to tell my brother who won one the previous year. Now I had one. I couldn't wait to tell my sisters. I couldn't wait. Now, some of you are like, what's the big deal? Like, I don't get it. It's a trophy. Okay, can I share something? This is before... This is when you actually had to earn a trophy, okay? I'm just going to say it, all right? I know you're going to get mad at me. I know, whatever. You actually had to beat somebody out to get a trophy. I know, novel concept, you know? They didn't give a trophy when you signed your kid up at registration. There you go. There's your uniform and your trophy. It was different, okay? Oh, but my little Jimmy, my little Jimmy deserves a trophy. No, he doesn't. I've seen your little Jimmy play baseball all year. I've been watching Jimmy. Okay, he sucks. Uh, he's, I, I, right field, he's wore his glove on the wrong hand every game. He's facing the wrong direction. Okay, Jimmy doesn't deserve a trophy. Jimmy deserves a lifetime ban from Little League sports. That's what Jimmy deserves. Okay, all right, ranch over. So, um, <laughs> trilly, okay, I earned that trophy, and I was so excited. I couldn't wait, and it was, it was incredible. So now we, now we fast forward to today, into Christmas, because we're excited. You, you, many of you admitted it. I'm, I'm excited for Christmas. Because we understand, if you're a follower of Jesus, you're like, okay, I get it. Like, Jesus is the center of the holiday. And we believe that in our heads. But, but the series that we're closing out today, I believe in God, but, say but, but, I don't share my faith. So, you know what this reminds me of? The last series that we did was called You Asked For It. And you asked questions and we answered them. Do you know one of the questions that got asked? I'll read it. This came in. Here it is. If I believe in Jesus, but I don't spread the gospel, will I go to heaven? And I, I just responded, no. You go directly to hell. You don't pass go. You don't get $200. I'm just kidding. Okay, settle down. So you... But, but it was, that's the question. Do I go to heaven? And it, it really prompted this, this, this message. Because I think there's a lot of people that would say Christmas is the most wonderful time of the year. There's a lot of people that will say Jesus is the reason for the season. And then without Jesus in my life, I'm nothing. But are, are we really declaring that to anybody? Like, are, are we saying that to anybody? Are we telling anybody that? Stats will tell you most people aren't. Even evangelical Christians, Bible Reading Christians, church-going Christians, most of them don't share their faith, okay? Most of them don't invite to church. That's just, that's just the reality of it. And I get it can be scary, right? Going up to the lady, the single gal at Target, walking up to her and saying, hey, excuse me, but can I share my newfound faith in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior with you? You know what she's going to do? She's going to be like, okay, you know, one second while I grab my, my pepper spray and then we can talk, you know? It's, that's not the way to do it. But there is a way to do it. And I... I as I, as I prayed for this message, I thought, God, there's so many Bible stories that I could share with the church about the importance of us sharing our faith in Christ, if that's what you have today. And if you don't have that today, I'm so grateful that you're here. And I'm so grateful that God brought you here. Thank you for being open to what God has in store, because I promise you, he has something incredibly in store, incredible in store for you. But I thought, God, okay, is it going to be like Pastor Casey shared last weekend, the prodigal son, God, that would be a great story. Like, the son was lost and then he's found. That's a great, 
Great story of someone coming into faith. God, do you want me to share this story about the woman at the well? Some of you might know that. This Jesus meets this woman at the well. He shares about who he is, and it changes her, and she goes and tells the whole town, and everybody is saved. And God's like, nope. You know where he led me? He's like, how about you share this? There's a story about a demon-possessed man, naked, running around a cemetery, cutting himself, and howling at the moon, right? Hey, welcome to Meadows Church. It's a little messed up here. So, but that's what we're sharing. That's actually a true story. And if you brought a Bible or you got the mobile app with the Bible app on it, go to Mark. Say Mark. Mark is the second gospel. The gospel means good news. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, first four books of the New Testament. In Mark 2, there's a story about that. It is, and what God revealed to me this week I hope, I hope it impacts you as much as it impacted me. That's been my prayer. I'm going to start, Mark, I think I said Mark 2. Go to Mark 5, verse 2. So Mark 5, verse 2. And if you don't have the Bible or anything with you, it's cool. It's gonna, I'm going to put it up on the screen. But I love when you bring it because you can own it and write in it. And God's going to speak to you today. Man, I'm telling you, God is, wants to move in here. Check this out. And this, by the way, this is a true story. Like, this isn't some fairy tale. This isn't some fable. It's not even a parable. Parables are story that, stories that Jesus would tell to illustrate something. Like, he would, he would tell a story. This isn't a story. This is literally something that happened. And I'll set it up. Jesus Christ and his band of misfits, they, 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 they're on a boat, and they go across the river or the, the lake, and they get to the other side. Jesus has just done a miracle. Jesus has just calmed the wind. He's calmed the waves. He's calmed the storm, and he's heading right into another storm, not in the water, but in someone's life and in someone's heart. I wonder who walked in here today with a storm in your life. I wonder if that's why you came today. It's because the dysfunction happening in your heart or in your mind. I'm telling you, if that's you, I'm so grateful that you're here. This story's gonna speak to you, I promise. When Jesus climbed out of the boat... The man who was possessed by an evil spirit came from the tombs. He's in the cemetery, okay, to meet him. This man lived in the burial caves and could no longer be restrained. True story. Not even with a chain. Whenever he was put into chains and shackles, the word says, as he often was, he snapped the chains from his wrists and smashed the shackles. No one was strong enough to subdue this guy. Day and night, he'd wander around among the caves and the hills, howling and cutting himself with stones. Pause. You might be like, okay, that's kind of an extreme case. You're talking about demon possession. You're talking about this guy wandering around. Okay, number one, demon possession is a real thing. Like, and if you don't believe me, just drive rush hour traffic in Omaha, okay? I'm not kidding you. They're handing out driver's license to demons every day. Every day. So, it's real. This guy, so, so spiritual oppression, possession, it's all still real today. Number two, this guy is, yes, is he messed up? Are you messed up? I know I am in areas of my life. Now, you, you might not be physically strained and in chains, but what about emotionally? What about relationally or spiritually? He was in bondage in more ways than one. And, I, and I, would, I would venture to say many of us are too. It might not look exactly like this guy looks, but I'm telling you, this story is our story. This guy needed help. And I'll paraphrase what happens next. What happens next is Jesus, he, he's out of the boat. And you know what this guy does? This guy goes directly towards Jesus. 
Because, see, God wants to draw people in. And something about this guy knew that he needed to get close to Jesus because he knew that when you get close to Jesus, something's going to change. Something's going to change. Say change. Oh, some of you are desperate for change in your life. This guy was desperate. So Jesus meets him where he's at and changes him. Literally casts out the demons and makes him new. He goes from insane to sane, like the Bible even says. If you keep reading in Mark 5 and, and, and you read it, you'll see that he was sitting with Jesus at the end, calm, fully clothed, sane. He literally had been transformed by an encounter with Jesus Christ, because Jesus will do that. I mean, he'll change you in ways that you can't believe it. So let, let me pick it back up in verse 18. Jesus has healed this guy. As Jesus was getting back into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged Jesus to go with him. And I get it. I mean, Jesus just did something pretty awesome. I want more of that. I want to stay close to that. He begged Jesus, I want to go with you. But Jesus said, no. Say no. Jesus said, go. Say go. Jesus said, no. Go home to your family. Tell them everything the Lord has done for you and how merciful he's been. This is amazing. So the man started off to visit 10 towns of that region, and he began preaching, proclaiming the great things Jesus had done for him. And everyone, say everyone, everyone was amazed at what he told them. This is crazy. So think about it. But what was his first response? The guy who was possessed and then wasn't possessed. His first response is, Jesus, I want to get in the boat with you. Like it looks safe in the boat because you're in the boat. Jesus, I kind of want to hang out with the disciples. They seem to love like you love, and I like that. So he, he immediately wants to get comfortable with Jesus. And I kind of get it because, you know, Jesus is doing great things. But, but Jesus doesn't even allow him a chance to get comfortable. Jesus is like, no, go, go. I've changed you. Now you go and you change others through your story. It's, see, I'm telling you something. Some of you, you're comfortable where you're at in a journey where it's at with you. Maybe it's in your faith walk and you've been comfortable. And I'll tell you that the longer that you walk with Jesus, the, the longer that you know Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, the more easy it is to get comfortable. But Jesus isn't calling us into comfort, okay? Jesus told this man, go. Say go. See, living your purpose means choosing your calling over your comfort. Because somebody, somewhere, is relying on you to do what God has called you to do. Someone needs you. Someone needed that man's story. That man's going to reach somebody that Jesus isn't going to reach. Jesus said, if you get in the boat with me, and we hang out, and we go sailing around, and you, you declare you're the king of the world, you, if we do all that, well, you ain't, you, you're not going to be living your purpose. You're not going to be living your calling. And the guy could I mean, the, the guy who was possessed, he could say, wait a minute, Jesus. I mean, I don't even know scripture. Like, I'm not in a life group. I mean, 10 minutes ago, Jesus, my best friend, was a corpse, okay? I don't know any, I don't know what I'm doing. But yet Jesus says, you know enough, you're changed. Tell him what I did in you. And that's what Jesus told him to do. We think witnessing is all about a three-point plan or whatever. No. You share what Christ has done in your life. That's the greatest testimony. That's what he did. And it said everyone was amazed. Everyone was amazed. I saw 
a picture on my social feed this week. And uh, it's Charlie Brown, you know, classic Charlie Brown. You can put it up and it says, all I want for Christmas is that my friends and family know Jesus. I love this, actually. A lot of people love this. Like it was shared hundreds of thousands of times, liked hundreds of thousands of times, and it should be. But I sat there looking at it and I thought to myself, do we really, do we really want, I mean, is that what you really, is that really all you want? Really? I think it's a great thing to say, and I think it's a great thing to believe, but I'm asking in the depths of who you are and who I am, is that truly, do you truly, I mean, I know you're sharing it, I know you're loving it, but is that true, is that real, is that real? Because if it's real, it's going to come out in more ways than just sharing it on social media. It will. I just thought about that. I'm like, I, I agree with that, but am I doing, am I sharing like that? Like, if, I, if that's really all I want, wouldn't I talk about Jesus a little more than I'm talking about him? Wouldn't I invite people to church a little more than I'm inviting them? I'm just being, I'm just being straight with me. I'm talking to myself right now. I don't know where you're at, but I'm telling you it convicted me. And then I thought about this. Repeat after me. Say good news. So the gospel is good news. The story of Jesus and the story of Christmas is incredibly good news. So if it's good news, and I'm a follower of Jesus who has given me the best news in the world, but I'm not sharing it or inviting, I really thought to myself, there's really two reasons why that could happen. I I really do. Number one is, we don't think the person that we're going to share with is going to perceive it as good news. Right? Just being honest. Like, I'm afraid that you're going to reject my message, or worse yet, you're going to reject me. If I share with you about my church, or about my Jesus, or about my faith, or what I read in scripture, well, you might, you might judge me. You might not like what I like. You might not agree with what I agree with. But listen to me. God help us. God help us when we get more concerned about what people think as opposed to what God thinks. I mean, if you're afraid of offending people, I think it offends God. I do. I do. And, I, and, and I'll tell you this. I don't think you're going to offend many people. If you share your story from your heart, you would be amazed at how many people are so hungry for truth and love and light. Amazed. You'd be amazed. See, what the devil wants us to believe, the misconception that so many people have is when I share my faith, when I share my story, when I share the good news, when I talk about Meadows Church or whatever church that's preaching Jesus, I don't care which one, whatever one. If I share that, I, we, he wants to trick you into believing that you're, sharing, you're trying to convince somebody to do what they don't want to do. Well... My coworker, gosh, my brother, it's weird to talk about that. It's like, we'll get tricked into believing they don't want to do that. And you'll, you'll say you're, they're no for them. That's a dangerous place to be. Don't listen to that lie. You have the best news in the world if you know Christ. You, you, you steward the most powerful information, the most powerful life-changing information. It's so, and people will say, I don't know how to do it. I don't know how to share the gospel. You don't. You don't have to share the gospel. You can, it's awesome, but invite, just invite them. Can you grab a card and say, hey, here, check it out. That's it. We'll, guess what we'll do here? Every week we'll share the gospel. Some churches, some churches I know have um, evangelism weekends or like certain weekends where like, oh, we're going to share the gospel this weekend because, so invite your friends and family. I'm like, I don't, I, every weekend that's us here. Okay, that's every weekend. Because if a first time guest comes to Meadows Church, I don't know that I'll see them back. And I don't want to waste any opportunity to share what Jesus Christ wants to do in their life. 
So I promise you, my commitment to you as your pastor, every weekend you're going to hear the gospel in some form or fashion or another. You will. There's no certain weekend to invite. Every weekend you invite. And you don't need to share the gospel if you're not comfortable. Invite him here. We'll share it. But, but it's so powerful. You're going to reach people I can't reach. I'm going to reach people you can't reach. Together we can reach a city and change, change a world. We can do it. Can I give you an illustration? Last weekend, like every weekend, more people giving their lives to Christ. Last weekend, did you celebrate this? If you did, we can celebrate again. One person recommitted their life to Christ at Meadows Church. I tell you what, I love the number one because it's a number and every number matters to God. So she gives her life to Christ. Do you know how she got here? Well, she was invited. You might say, oh yeah, yeah, I get it. What you, what you may not know about the story that I didn't know that blew me away, she was invited multiple times, like multiple like, we asked how, like, I wanted to know how, how, how many times did you ask her? And this woman who invited her, you know, she, a co-worker, you know what she told me? Or, or what she told somebody who told me? I've been inviting her almost every week for months. So just inviting, inviting. And I know what some of you are thinking. Isn't that like stalking? Only if you get caught, okay? Only if you get caught. So it's cool. But she is, why was she so relentless with inviting? Because she had been changed. I did some more research. The woman that invited that woman, well, guess what? That, that first woman who invited her, well, she gave her life to Christ just in March of this year. Yeah, so she's giving her life to Christ because change lives change lives. Found people find people. And, and you know what? At the end of the day, you're going to speak pretty boldly about what you believe deeply. Man, if you're taking notes, write that down. If you're not, still write it down. You will speak boldly about what you believe deeply. If you boldly believe that Jesus has the power to change somebody, you'll share it with them. If you boldly believe that your addiction can be, can be rescued from you, that you can be saved from that, or someone else does, they're going to share it. Trust me. If you found the cure for cancer and you boldly believe it cured cancer, you're telling people about it. We have something better. We have something better. We have something better. You will speak boldly about what you believe deeply. We think that, oh, my job is to get, your job is to extend the invitation. Your job is to share your story. That's it. Well, but they don't come. It does, the results aren't up to you. They're up to God. That's the beauty. You, if you do your part, trust me, God will do his. But I love that powerful story of that woman inviting because she, why is she so jacked up? Why is she so excited? Because she was changed by Jesus Christ. Change people, change people. So number one, I think that you, you'll believe a lie that they're not going to perceive it as good news. Say number two. Number two, the second reason I believe that people maybe don't extend an invitation to church or invite your friend or share your story of faith is because you don't actually believe it's good news yourself. And my job is to help you understand how good it is. Do you really believe that the, the, the story of Christ inside of you changes lives? Or is it something just that we can post pictures about or talk about, but we really, when we get home at night, we're really like, I don't. Do you believe it's good news? Do you believe it's good news? In my ministry and leadership degree that I got from Oklahoma Wesleyan, in my, in my last year of school, we had a class on evangelism. And in that class, they told us to watch a video. And the video was of a guy named uh, Penn Gillette. 
So that name might not sound familiar, but it might if I tell you that he's a dual pen and teller. Okay? If you've heard of Penn and Teller, they're a comedian group, they're, a, they're a magicians, um, very well known, you know, very well known. And uh, so Penn was on the video, now he's a pretty uh, well-renowned atheist. So after a show, and, th- and the video that I watched in this evangelism class was him after a show. He was just kind of doing, posting a selfie video, and it was just real and raw. And he's after the show, and he says, I don't, something happened after the show, he said, I just, I just want to share it. Um, I just feel compelled to share it. And he goes on to describe that after, a, after one of the shows they did, uh, people will come up and want to get autographs and pictures and all that and meet and greet. Well, a guy comes up to him and is very complimentary. He's like, hey, this is an awesome show. Great job. Very authentic. And then he says, I want, I want to give you something. And he hands Penn a Gideon Bible, which is a small pocket-sized Bible with the New Testament along with Proverbs and Psalm. And he hands him the Bible, along with a note inside. And this video that Penn is releasing, he says, he goes, I have to tell you that it it hit me in a way that, he said the guy was so genuine. It wasn't like, well, this is what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to go through the motions and, you know, witness and go door to door. He said it was so real. Like, the guy, guy, you could tell the guy was genuine. Like, I want you to have this. I want you to know something. And, 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 And it didn't, he didn't say it changed his mind. It didn't, like, take him from, not believing to believing, but I tell you what, I watched that video and I could literally see the Holy Spirit working. I mean, it was like visible because he's sitting there wrestling. He's pausing during the video. He's like, he goes, there's just something about that this guy believed. And then he said, and it makes sense. Like the gentleman that handed me the Bible, he believes like Jesus is God and he believes like there's a heaven and a hell for eternity. So he wanted to share this with me. And he said, you, you need to understand, I think that's nonsense. I don't believe in God. But this guy believed it. And I thought to myself, I respect that. Wouldn't you share that? And then he said this. He said, how much would you have to hate somebody not to share that? That's what he said. How much would you have to hate somebody to think that you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? And he will save you today, tomorrow, and forever. And if you call on his name and believe that he's Lord and Savior and that he died for you and rose for you, that heaven is your home for eternity. And if you don't, you go to hell forever. How much would you have to hate somebody to know that? And know, like cognitively believe that and then not share it? Like you know they don't, you don't know what they believe, but you're too scared to go there. And then he gave the illustration. He said, I thought about a Mack truck coming down the road, and your buddy's in the road. And the Mack truck is barreling down the road. And he's your friend. But you're just not comfortable telling him that there's a Mack truck that's going to take him out. That's insanity. You would tell him. You would run out there. You would shove him out of the way. You would yell. You would scream. That's for, te- that's for something temporal. We're talking about eternal salvation. And you wouldn't say anything? He, God was stirring in this man. I was, I was blown away. I'm like, God's working on that man. And praise God for the guy that had the boldness and the courage to share it with him. Because it, 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 it moved him so much he had to share it. So my question for us is this. Do we care about people like, like that man cared about him? He didn't know him. He knew he was a celebrity figure. But he knew enough to know that I, need to, I know what he believes. And I need to tell him at least what I believe. It, it, it ain't up to me to convince him. It ain't up to me to... Um, change him I can't Jesus can but he did it and I'm like 
do we care about people like that? Now, I know it's hard. People are difficult, right? Can we agree? We're like, we're in the people business. If you're part of a church, you're in the people business. But I've said it before, and I'll say it again. You know, there's a reason that Noah only let animals onto the boat. People are hard. People are difficult. People are worth it. Do you know, so the gospel of Mark is amazing. It's, it's the most concise, compact, just in-your-face gospel. First one written, they believe. In Mark, the one that we're teaching out of today, the very first time that Jesus speaks and calls the disciples to, to follow him, the first two that Jesus called was Simon Peter and his brother Andrew, and they were fishing. Can I share two verses with you and just show you something? It'll blow you away. Mark 1, 16 and 17. One day, Jesus was walking along the shore of Galilee. He saw Simon and his brother Andrew throwing a net in the water. They fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, first words Jesus ever speaks to the disciples, come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. People. The very first thing he says, Andrew and Simon, I know this is your trade. I know this is how you make money. I want to show you something even better. There's a man that we're going to meet someday. He's dude's jacked up, cutting himself. He's crazy. I want to show you how we can love this man in such a way that he knows he matters. I want to show you something about people. Because at the end of the day, money comes and money goes. Careers come and careers go. But people, people, he cared for people. And what blew me away about the teaching today, about that demon-possessed man, this is, this is what hit me that I never saw before. And this is what's so exciting for me to share with you. Put up verse Mark 5, 4. Whenever the man was put into chains and shackles as he often was. I don't know what, he, what stopped me, but I read that again and I'm like, wait, this dude is out in some freaky cemetery. And I just pictured he's living an isolated life, running around crazy, doing crazy stuff. But you're telling me, people are, he's seeing people often. He, somebody or somebody, people are going out there often. And being with him, to shackle him up, to chain him up, as he often was. So people are there, but they're not trying to set him free. They're trying to just keep him out of the way. Well, God, you're crazy. You're a hindrance. You got issues. You know, if I start dealing with you and all your crap, I mean, I don't have time to do all the things I need to get done. So let me just put a shackle on you. Let me put a chain on you. Oh, I'll say a quick prayer for you, but you know what? I got to go do my thing. Wow. Wow. So he is getting shackled, but Jesus does something different, doesn't he? Jesus shows up and gets out of the boat, and rather than shackling them up and saying, you know what, you're an inconvenience, you're a hindrance, you're, you're, just, you're, you're a lost cause, you've been addicted for years, you'll always be addicted, you've been a liar all your life, you've been a thief, you've been a cheater, and I'm just, I'm just, just get out of my way. I mean, I'll pray for you and whatever, I'll, at least I'll say I'll pray for you, and then I'll chain you up and I'll go over here and do my thing. Jesus steps into the mess because Jesus doesn't offer bondage, he offers freedom. So Jesus, the way that he cared for people. Why? Because that man mattered. Maybe someone just needed to hear that today. You matter. Turn to two people and tell them right now, you matter. Tell two people that you're sitting by, you matter. See, you matter to God. 
Your friends matter to God. Your family matters to God. Your children matter to God. Your coworkers matter to God. Your neighbors matter to God. And we as a church will do whatever it takes to lead you and them to their God-given purpose. Whatever it takes, I don't care. We gotta be that way. The number one goal of a church should be to reach unbelievers. It should be. At the end of the day, if that's not what you're trying to do, I don't know why you exist. That's all Jesus did. Again, is it Mark? Yes, it is. Mark 2.17. Man, we're just nailing this gospel. Jesus said it. It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I haven't come for the righteous. I've come for the sinner. I love that because I'm such a sinner. And if you are too, If you're messed up in an area of your life, if you're jacked up and you've messed up other people's lives, you should give God some praise because you're exactly who Jesus came for. That's who he came for. Oh, you don't have to have your life together to reach somebody for Jesus. This man is proof. 10 minutes after he's saved, he's gone and he's reaching people. Well, I really need to have a three. No, you don't. You need to have a story of life change, and many of you have that. And if you don't, keep coming, and you will. I don't, I just, and I know we talk about the church. I mean, the church, if you missed Pastor Casey's message, you got to watch it from last week. The church is, is the bride of Christ, and I love the church. But listen to me, I don't invite people to Meadows Church because I just want them to come to Meadows. It's all about Meadows. No, no, no. I desperately want them to know the love of the Father. I desperately want them to know that I was a drug addict, dead in my sin, dead in my filth, and Jesus Christ set me free. And if he did it in me, oh, there's hope for you. I need him to know that. But, 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 but as for our church, I'm pretty biased to Meadows. I love what we stand for, and I believe that if you're a follower of Jesus, you need to be connected to a local church. But maybe you're here today and you're newer to the faith, or maybe you're just newer to our church, Meadows. So as you invite this week, as you invite to Christmas Eve service at Nebraska Christian College on the 24th, as you invite to a Sunday experience here, as you invite, I need, uh, let me tell you what you're inviting them to, can I? What you're inviting them to with Meadows Church is an environment where it's okay to not be okay. Like if you're here today and you're not okay, welcome home. You fit right in here. You're inviting them to a church where it's okay to not be okay. You're inviting them to a church that lifts up the word of God every weekend. You're inviting them to a church that truly believes in doing life together. You're inviting them to a church where kids and youth isn't some afterthought or some secondary program. It's literally our first and greatest priority. You're inviting them to a church where, yeah, you come as you are, but you don't stay that way. You're inviting them to a church that declares there's hope beyond anything that you're going through and that hope is found in Jesus. If you believe it, will you proclaim it? Can you shout about it? Can you get excited about it? I want to reach our city and beyond. I hope you do too. Jesus Christ changes lives. Show of hands. How many were invited to Meadows Church? That's how you came. Get them up high, 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 yeah. Okay, most everybody, thank you. Another show of hands. How many, whether you were invited or you found out a different way, how many have been impacted 
in any kind of a positive way through this church in some way? Raise your hand. Okay, okay, thank you. You saw most every hand go up. Why wouldn't we? Why wouldn't we want to invite somebody into that? You just said, I, my life has gotten better. There's been positivity, there's life change. Why? This is so critical. I shared with you the first words of Jesus and Mark. Can I share with you the last? You want to talk about bookends? The first words of Jesus to his disciples, what? Said, come with me. I'll teach you how to fish for people. Because people matter to God. You know what the last thing Jesus says in the Gospel of Mark? In Mark 16, 15, the last words. And Jesus told them, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone and anyone. Okay, that's the last thing he says in this gospel. So let's go back to the original question. That even, the, even the person that submitted that question about, well, do I, will I go to heaven if I don't share my faith? So, going to heaven, there's one way there, a relationship with Jesus Christ. Okay, that's it. That is it. That Jesus Christ, the gospel, that Jesus Christ would be sent by God on Christmas, right? And he would grow up and never sin, never screw up, never mess up, something we can't do. I can't go three minutes, let alone 33 years without screwing something up. And Jesus did it to be a perfect sacrifice. That's why Christmas came. To think that little baby in a manger, his purpose was to grow up and get nailed to a tree. I can't even comprehend it. But he did, and that's what his purpose was. And he'd do it again even if it was just for you. So the gospel says that Jesus died and then rose, and the resurrection is the key. That's the greatest miracle in the world. If you today can believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, believe he's God's son, and maybe you've gotten off track and today is the day God is telling you to get back on track. I'll share, let me share it this way. And I would say this to that person that asked that question. Heaven is a relationship with Jesus. That can happen today. You can call on his name, invite him into your heart, believe that he's God's son, died and rose, and you'll be saved. Ask him to forgive your sins. The Holy Spirit actually enters into you. Look up here. The Holy Spirit enters into you. Like, that's weird and true literally Christ in you. Now let me ask you a question. If Christ literally lives in you, but you've never really shared your faith, if the, if the spirit of the living God that raised a man from the dead to save the world lives inside of you, but you don't have any desire to invite someone to church, there's a good, in, that, there's a good chance that the spirit isn't there. And I'm, I'm not saying it's not, I'm not saying it's going to be easy. I mean, I'm the, I'm your pastor and I've got, I've struggled. You remember, some of you remember this story, but a few months ago when our trailer was jacked, remember that? And all of our stuff. And some of you have seen the Facebook and you've heard it from me, but 
It's, it's stolen and burnt to the ground and what wasn't burnt was taken out, all the good stuff, the expensive stuff. And a month later, a gentleman was caught with all that stuff, busted, arrested. And I'm not kidding you, we as a church, we're praying. We're praying, God, we're praying that through this, through this trailer and this debacle that you're gonna, the people that were involved, you're gonna do something in there. And I, I'm praying it, but I, I'm still like in disbelief. So, so then all of a sudden God's like, well, Monty, we've got somebody in a, a pretty captive place. They can't go anywhere. So what are you gonna do about it? And I'm like, well, I prayed God. Well, sometimes, uh, all the time, you need to back your prayer up with action. So I know we're supposed to go and say something to him. So if, you, if you're scared to invite to church or you're scared to share your faith, look at me, sometimes I am too. And I'm, your, and I'm your pastor, so you're not, that's okay. But you need to fight through that because lives hinge in the balance. People are dying and going to hell. So, I, so it took me days to set up a visit. And you, you, if you've heard the story, I've set up a visit. Gentlemen's, gentlemen's on the other end, I describe who I am. And, and this guy gives his life to Jesus Christ. Yeah. So, something that... You can't, I mean, it's, it's almost like it has to be, this story is, is almost made up. It can't, no way. Come on. Really? It happened. And, and what you don't know is after that gentleman surrendered his life to Christ, we, I've been communicating with him. We have. Got him a Bible. Got him a devotional. Got him a, uh, another book to read. All these things. And walking with him through scripture. Do you know what he was doing in jail? He didn't wait till he gets out of jail or gets into a life group or meets the people at the church. He didn't wait. All of a sudden, he's sharing with the other inmates about Jesus. Yeah, he's sharing about his newfound faith. He's telling them. Dude's like leading people to Christ in jail. So, I, but I'm going to be honest. I, I, everything in me just wanted to like, ah, God, just get him here somehow. And God's like, how do you think I'm going to get him there unless you go talk to him and tell him what I did? Honestly, it's easy to pray, God, I want him to know Jesus. I want, all I want for Christmas is my friends to know Jesus. And God's like, yep, that's what I want too. That's actually why I sent my son Jesus. What will you do? Because you're the place someone's going to meet Christ. You and you. You're the place. So I go and I'm all, I was all freaked out, but it all, obviously it worked out pretty well. But if I would have just held back and said, no, I'm just, I don't know. God, you take care of it. You're bigger than me. You just do it. I don't, then we would have never got to today. And what if we would have never got to today? If we would have never, if we, if I just would have said, you know what, I'm going to leave it to somebody else. Well, you'd never get to meet Mike, the gentleman that had our stuff. Mike, will you stand up? I love you, man. Yeah. This isn't, you know, this isn't about Mike. This is about Jesus Christ in Mike, okay? He knows that. Mike's got a long way to go. Mike's in a rehabilitation center right now, getting help. I hope we can get him here every weekend to church and in a life group. We're going to do whatever we can, but I need you to know something. I need you to see what happens when you will share if you will invite those cards, we pray over those cards. I beg, I'm begging you. And this story, we, I did a little Facebook thing that's gonna go out later today. I pray when you see it on our social media for medals, I pray that when you see this little clip, you'll share it. 
that you'll share it and share it and share it. Because people need to know. People need to know. They need to know, Mike, right? They need to know. They need to know that what the devil meant for evil, God is using for good. Yeah, you can get a little bit excited. They need to know that what was dead is now alive. What was lost has now come home. What was in bondage has now been set free. And who the sun sets free is free indeed, somebody. Woo! I love you, my friend. I'm going to pray for you. And if you're not standing, stand. No, no, stand if you're not standing. If you would, if you would, because we're going to, we're going to be singing in two seconds. I just want you to stand and honor God with a prayer with me. The Spirit of the Lord is in this place. Father, it's funny, Father, I was, I was just going to pray about you wanting us to invite, but I don't even need to pray about that. That's ridiculous. I know you want us to invite. Jesus Christ didn't die for us not to invite. And, and God, I know that there are two times in the year that people that don't normally come and hang out with us on a Sunday never would might. And we know what they are. They're what's coming up here at the end of the month called Christmas and then of course Easter. So we get a shot right now we won't have many because life's a quick trip. I pray for our church that we will be a church that boldly declares like that demon-possessed man, like Mike, what you have done in our lives. I pray we'll do that this week. I pray invite cards will go out. I pray that that message later today on social will, will spread like wildfire because people, because people need to know about you. They need to know about your power and your life-saving. I mean, what was dead is now alive. What was lost has now come home. That doesn't happen just on its own. It takes us to step into the gap and say, you know what? I know something that maybe you don't know. And you might know it with your head, but you don't know in your heart. And I know that I need to share something with you. Will you come? I'll sit next to you. I'll love you. I'll walk with you. I'll take you out to lunch afterwards, whatever it takes. God, I'm praying for people in this place also that need to get back on track with you. God, I, I truly believe with all my heart you have brought people here today that are living a life. Even though they're in a church, that doesn't mean that we know you. That's for sure. But it means that you want to know us. You've, draw, you've drew us in. Just like you drew the demon-possessed man to Jesus when he got out of the boat, you're drawing us in. Your Holy Spirit does it right now. I pray that people will come, that they will surrender everything to you, give their lives to your son, Jesus Christ. Ask your Holy Spirit to enter them and be made new in the Lord and start living life on purpose for a purpose. God, I pray, do your work, have your way. I pray that the prayer team is flooded after the service. I pray the prayer room is flooded after the service. God, we need prayer, we need you. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your son, Jesus. Without him, there's absolutely zero hope. But in Jesus, The best is yet to come. In Jesus' name I pray and we all say, amen.